This episode of Sleepy is proudly sponsored by ButcherBox. If you've listened to Sleepy for a while, you know that I love good food, eating well and treating my body right so that I can take on my days. Well, ButcherBox helps you do exactly that. They deliver super high quality, 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, crate-free pork, and wild-caught seafood right to your door. It's humanely raised, no antibiotics or added hormones. They have a huge variety to choose from. They are excellent deals. They've got recipes and guides and tips included, and there's free shipping, always. Eating well is a huge factor in getting a good night's sleep, as is sometimes saving the trip to the grocery store and taking some stress out of your daily schedule. I have been loving these deliveries for those reasons. Been cooking up their uh, steak tips with eggs in the morning with butter and scallions and soy sauce. And I also made a delicious brine chicken roast with lemon parsley gravy. So good. The prices for this kind of quality and convenience is really impressive. Uh, yeah, ButcherBox has made me very happy. So sign up at butcherbox.com sleepy and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com sleepy and use code sleepy to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Butcherbox.com sleepy. Eat well, sleep well. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, and you're listening to Sleepy. A podcast where I read old books to help you get to sleep, and a proud member of the Airwave Podcast Network. I have got a wonderful, snoozy bedtime story for you tonight. But before we get to tonight's reading, I just want to thank all of our patrons on Patreon.com. Caroline Bird Tucker and Heather Rylander, they are two new patrons of the Sleepy Podcast, which means that they like this show and they decided to donate a little bit each month to be a part of making it and, and kind of give back. The way you do this is you go on Patreon.com, which is this awesome site where listeners and people who appreciate art can go on and support creators that they like with little monthly donations in exchange for rewards. So most of these donations are a dollar or two dollars, but five dollars a month with the Sleepy Podcast gets you access to a special Patreon poetry feed where I send extra recordings that you would only get for donating uh, poetry readings twice a month, every other Monday. And they're really nice and melodic and rhythmic. Really great to go to sleep to. And I don't usually read poetry on the normal sleepy feed, so if you'd like to hear some poetry, consider going to patreon.com slash sleepyradio and donating five dollars a month to get access to the poetry feed but honestly a dollar a month goes a really long way and we'll read your name in the opening credits of the next show as well so that's patreon.com slash sleepy radio thank you 
And as always, the music that you're hearing is by my good friend James Lepkowski. And the cover art for Sleepy is by Gracie Kanan. Tonight is a special episode dedicated to one of our young listeners, Caroline Izzo, who insists on being called Callie Izzo. So this episode is dedicated to Callie Izzo, who is 11 years old, and she reached out to me via email and told me that her mom has been putting on the show for her at night, and she falls asleep in the blink of an eye, and she barely makes it through the opening credits. So I don't know, Callie, if you've heard any story that I've read, but regardless, um, Callie says the show works for her, and she would really love to hear the book Cinderella on the show, which sent me down a pretty cool little rabbit hole, first wondering, is Cinderella a book? And turns out it is, um, and there's been many, many iterations of Cinderella, uh, her story, before the cartoon was ever made, getting back to the uh, early to mid-1900s, but the original stories go way, way, way back, somewhere between 0 and 200 A.D., but the most well-known Cinderella story, which is Cinderella or the Little Glass Slipper, was written by Charles Perrault in 1697 in French. And the version that was translated to English is most widely the version that we know today. So, Callie, I would love to thank you for sending me down that rabbit hole and realizing how passed down the story of Cinderella really is throughout history. It was a fascinating little little tangent to go down. But I did find a copy of this story, Cinderella or the Little Glass Slipper by Charles Perrault, translated into English, and that is what we're going to read tonight. So, for Callie Izzo, and all of you who like going to sleep, to nice snoozy bedtime stories, now is the time for you to fluff up your pillow just how you like it, get real comfortable, feel yourself melt into your bed, close your eyes, and let me read to you. Cinderella, or The Little Glass Slipper, by Charles Perrault. Once there was a gentleman who married for his second wife, the proudest and most haughty woman that was ever seen. She had, by a former husband, two daughters of her own, who were indeed exactly like her in all things. He had likewise by another wife a young daughter, but of unparalleled goodness and sweetness of temper, which she took from her mother, who was the best creature in the world. 
No sooner were the ceremonies of the wedding over, but the stepmother began to show herself in her true colors. She cannot bear the good qualities of this pretty girl, and the less because they made her own daughters appear the more odious. She employed her in the meanest work of the house. She scoured the dishes, tables, etc., and cleaned Madame's chambers, and those of the misses, her daughters. She slept in a sorry garret, on a wretched straw bed, while her sisters slept in fine rooms with floors all inlaid on beds of the very newest fashion, and where they had looking-glasses so large that they could see themselves at their full length from head to foot. The poor girl bore it all patiently, and dared not tell her father, who would have scolded her, for his wife governed him entirely. When she had done her work, she used to go to the chimney corner and sit down there in the cinders and ashes which caused her to be called Cinderwench. Only the younger sister, who was not so rude and uncivil as the older one, called her Cinderella. However, Cinderella, notwithstanding her coarse apparel, was a hundred times more beautiful than her sisters, although they were all dressed very richly. It happened that the king's son gave a ball and invited all persons of fashion to it. Our young misses were also invited, for they cut a very grand figure among those of quality. They were mightily delighted at this invitation and wonderfully busy in selecting the gowns, petticoats, and hairdressing that would best become them. This was a new difficulty for Cinderella, for it was she who ironed her sister's linen and pleaded their ruffles. They talked all day long of nothing but how they should be dressed. For my part, said the eldest, I will wear my red velvet suit with French trimming. And I, said the youngest, shall have my usual petticoat. But then to make amends for that, I will put on my gold-flowered cloak and my diamond stomacher, which is far from being the most ordinary one in the world. They sent for the best hairdresser they could get to make up their headpieces and adjust their hairdos. And they had their red brushes and patches from Mademoiselle de la Poche. They also consulted Cinderella in all these matters, for she had excellent ideas, and her advice was always good. Indeed, she even offered her services to fix their hair, which they very willingly accepted. As she was doing this, they said to her, Cinderella, would you not like to go to the ball? Alas, said she, you only jeer me. It is not for such as I am to go to such a place. You are right, they replied. It would make the people laugh to see a cinder wench at a ball. Anyone but Cinderella would have fixed their hair awry, but she was very good, and she dressed them perfectly well. They were so excited that they hadn't eaten a thing for almost two days. 
Then they broke more than a dozen laces, trying to have themselves laced up tightly enough to give them a fine, slender shape. They were continually in front of their looking glass. Alas, the happy day came. They went to court, and Cinderella followed them with her eyes as long as she could. When she lost sight of them, she started to cry. Her godmother, who saw her all in tears, asked her what was the matter. I wish I could, I wish I could. She was not able to speak the rest, being interrupted by her tears and sobbing. This godmother of hers, who was a fairy, said to her, You wish that you could go to the ball. Is it not so? Yes, cried Cinderella with a great sigh. Well, said her godmother, be but a good girl, and I will contrive that you shall go. Then she took to her chamber and said to her, Run into the garden and bring me a pumpkin. Cinderella went immediately to gather the finest she could get and brought it to her godmother, not being able to imagine how this pumpkin could help her go to the ball. Her godmother scooped out all the inside of it, leaving nothing but the rind. Having done this, she struck the pumpkin with her wand, and it was instantly turned into a fine coach, gilded all over with gold. She then went to look into her mousetrap, where she found six mice all alive and ordered Cinderella to lift up a little the trap door. She gave each mouse, as it went out, a little tap with her wand, and the mouse was that moment turned into a fine horse, which altogether made a very fine set of six horses of a beautiful mouse-colored dapple gray. Being at a loss for a coachman, Cinderella said, I will go and see if there's not a rat in the rat trap that we can turn into a coachman. You are right, replied her godmother. Go and look. Cinderella brought the trap to her, and in it there were three huge rats. The fairy chose the one which had the largest beard, touched him with her wand, and turned him into a fat, jolly coachman who had the smartest whiskers that eyes ever beheld. After that, she said to her, Go again into the garden, and you will find six lizards behind the watering pot. Bring them to me. She had no sooner done so, but her godmother turned them into six footmen, who skipped up immediately behind the coach, with their liveries all bedowed with gold and silver and clung as close behind each other as if they had done nothing else their whole lives. The fairy then said to Cinderella, Well, you see here an equipage fit to go to the ball with. Are you not pleased with it? Oh, yes, she cried, but must I go in these nasty rags? Her godmother then touched her with her wand, and at the same instant her clothes turned into cloth of gold and silver, all beset with jewels. This done, she gave her a pair of glass slippers, the prettiest in the whole world. Being thus decked out, 
She got up into her coach, but her godmother, above all things, commanded her not to stay past midnight, telling her at that same time, if she stayed one moment longer, the coach would be a pumpkin again, her horses mice, her coachman a rat, her footmen lizards, and her clothes would become just as they were before. She promised her godmother to leave the ball before midnight and then drove away, scarcely able to contain herself for joy. The king's son, who was told that a great princess whom nobody knew had arrived, ran out to receive her. He gave her his wand and she alighted from the coach and led her into the hall among all the company. There was immediately a profound silence. Everyone stopped dancing, and the violin ceased to play. So entranced was everyone with the singular beauties of the unknown newcomer. Nothing was then heard but a confused noise of, How beautiful she is, how beautiful she is. Even the king himself, old as he was, could not help watching her, and telling the queen softly, that it was a long time since he had seen so beautiful and lovely a creature. All the ladies were busied in considering her clothes and headdress, hoping to have some made the next day after the same pattern, provided they could find such fine materials and his able hands to make them. The king's son led her to the most honorable seat and afterwards took her out to dance with them. She danced so very gracefully that they all more and more admired her. A fine meal was served up, but the young prince ate not a morsel, so intently was he busied in gazing on her. She went and sat down by her sisters, showing them a thousand civilities, giving them part of the oranges and citrons which the prince had presented her with, which very much surprised them they did not know her. When Cinderella was thus amusing her sisters, she heard the clock strike eleven and three quarters, whereupon she immediately made a curtsy to the company and hurried away as fast as she could. Arriving home, she ran to seek out her godmother, and after having thanked her, she said she could not but heartily wish she might go to the ball the next day as well because the king's son had invited her. As she was eagerly telling her godmother everything that happened at the ball, her two sisters knocked at the door, which Cinderella ran and opened. You stayed such a long time, she cried, gaping, rubbing her eyes and stretching herself, as if she had been sleeping. She had not however, had any manner of inclination to sleep while they were away from home. If you had been at the ball, said one of the sisters, you would not have been tired with it. The finest princess was there, the most beautiful that mortal eyes have ever seen. She showed us a thousand civilities and gave us oranges and citrons. Cinderella seemed very indifferent in the matter. Indeed, she asked them the name of that princess, but they told her they did not know it, and that the king's son was very uneasy on her account and would give all the world to know who she was. 
At this, Cinderella, smiling, replied, She must then be very beautiful indeed. How happy you have been. Could not I see her? Ah, dear Charlotte, do lend me your yellow dress, which you wear every day. Yes, to be sure, cried Charlotte. Then my clothes are such a dirty cinder wench as you are. I should be such a fool. Cinderella indeed well expected such an answer. I was very glad of the refusal, for she would have been sadly put to it if her sister had lent her what she asked for jestingly. The next day the two sisters were at the ball, and so was Cinderella, but dressed even more magnificently than before. The king's son was always by her, and never ceased his compliments and kind speeches to her. All this was so far from being tiresome to her, and, indeed, she quite forgot what her godmother had told her. She thought that it was no later than eleven when she counted the clock striking twelve. She jumped up and fled as nimble as a deer. The prince followed but could not overtake her. She left behind one of her glass slippers, which the prince picked up most carefully. She reached home, but quite out of breath and in her nasty old clothes, having nothing left of all her finery but one of the little slippers, the mate the one which she had dropped. The guards at the palace gate were asked if they had not seen a princess go out. They replied they had seen nobody leave but a young girl, very shabbily dressed, and who had more the air of a poor country wench than a gentlewoman. When the two sisters returned from the ball, Cinderella asked them if they had been well entertained and if the fine lady had been there. They told her yes, but that she hurried away immediately when it struck twelve, and with so much haste that she dropped one of her little glass slippers, the prettiest in the world, which the king's son had picked up, that he had done nothing but look at her all the time at the ball, and that most certainly... He was very much in love with the beautiful person who owned the glass slipper. What they said was very true. For a few days later, the king's son had it proclaimed by sound of trumpet that he would marry whose foot the slipper would just fit. They began to try it on the princesses, then the duchesses and all the court, but in vain it was brought to the two sisters who did all they possibly could to force their foot into the slipper. But they did not succeed. Cinderella, who saw all this, and knew it was her slipper, said to them, laughing, Let me see if it will not fit me. Her sisters burst out laughing and began to banter with her. The gentleman who was sent to try the slipper looked earnestly at Cinderella and, finding her very handsome, said that it was only just, and that she would try as well, and that he had orders to let everyone try. He had Cinderella sit down, and putting the slipper on her foot, he found that it went on very easily, fitting her as if it had been made of wax. Her two sisters were greatly astonished, but then even more so when Cinderella pulled out of her pocket 
the other slipper and put it on her other foot. Then in came her godmother and touched her wand on Cinderella's clothes, making them richer and more magnificent than any of those she had worn before. And now her two sisters found her to be that fine, beautiful lady whom they had seen at the ball. They threw themselves at her feet to beg pardon for all the ill treatment they had made her undergo. Cinderella took them up, and as she embraced them, said that she forgave them with all her heart and wanted them always to love her. She was taken to the young prince, dressed as she was. He thought she was more charming than before, and a few days later, married her. Cinderella, who was no less good than beautiful, gave her two sisters lodgings in the palace, and that very same day matched them with two great lords of the court. Thank you for listening to Sleepy. Good night.